Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right, Tony, it's that time again. It's good to be back with you. How are you, my friend? I've been doing well. Uh, it's burning hot here in Maryland right now, so I don't know. I imagine in Georgia, I mean, it's probably Does it bulk- mean like 85 or something? Or? Well, I'm, it's like it's in the upper 90s, but I bet if it's in the upper 90s here in Maryland, there's probably volcanoes bursting from the ground down there in Georgia, right? Uh, yeah, if it's that bad there, I probably shouldn't walk outside. Um, it has been pretty bad lately. Um and the humidity here is that's the thing can just be so stifling along with the temperature. But, um, but yeah, so have you been, how's the, the COVID sort of quarantine summer going for you guys? Uh, it's been interesting. So we've started meeting with the teens again, uh, and with social distancing, we even actually had like a, uh, a kind of a youth service, uh, trip where they stayed overnight at their own houses and, and served during the day. So, uh, but it's been very different, but I think we've tried to make the best use of the time and, uh, still kept pretty busy. How about you guys? Uh, yeah, doing okay. We're, we're, um, trying to make the best of the situation and um kids have gotten to stay up a little bit later more often which you know they've been lobbying for um trying to play when it's not quite so hot outside you know play with the neighbors and things we have a nice cul-de-sac so we've been playing street uh baseball and things like that so let me ask you this tony with uh your students getting back together uh with the temperature are they wearing pants shorts what, what's what are they wearing yeah, so I definitely think they've been wearing uh, shorts. Uh, if uh, I think if they had been wearing pants, they probably would be about dead right now. It, it's been like 100 degrees for like two weeks in a row. So. <laughs> so how about you when you go into the office? you wear shorts, pants, kilts? Oh, man, we are very informal around the office. So I t- typically wear uh, shorts. Uh, you know, I, I'm, you know, even <laughs> some pretty raggedy shorts right now, to be honest with you, uh, that I probably need to replace. But uh, yeah, so, you know, it's uh, we're, we're very informal with that. How about you? Uh, well, our culture is a little more buttoned up. I mean, I'm not wearing a suit or anything. But we are supposed to wear pants. Um, I am wearing tennis shoes, though, because on Friday uh, I impaled my foot with a fork. So um, that was that wasn't pleasant. Thankfully, it's doing about as good as it could mm. be, uh, you could hope for. But um, we do we do wear pants around here. Um, Listeners, and, though, for some reference, when when we're recording, Ben typically wears a uh, the, a bow tie, and he tends to wear a top hat when we record. <laughs> yes, yeah, so with my cane at my side. Um, but no, we, we do wear pants around here, and I, I remember um, when I was in high school, so a long long time ago, I was at a friend's birthday or something. I don't know. We ended up in the car with his dad and we were riding around and the dad made a reference to the wearing the pants in the the home, wearing the pants in the, the family or something. And I'd never heard that statement. Now, I mean, you know, obviously uh, that it's referring to whoever's taking the kind of the leadership role. Um, and, you know, it comes from an era when it was more common for when men to wear pants and, and women um 
to wear skirts and dresses and things like that. Um, but that's kind of what we want to talk about today, about who's wearing the pants spiritually in the family. Um, so no offense to those ladies who would, you know, wear pants or things like that. Um, things are confused these days and I, you know, women find to wear pants. But Tony, let me ask you, when you first started attending and becoming part of a church, um, why did you pick that church and who decided where you went? Yeah, so my journey is a little different, I think, than most people listening. So I would extremely infrequently attend church growing up, uh, you know, and I typically would go with my grandmother or my aunt and uncle. Uh, I mean, but that was probably less than five times. But when I started actively attending, uh, that uh, actually I started going to the church uh, that where the guy who led me to the Lord's uh, father was a pastor. So I was led to the Lord by a high school Bible teacher, and his dad was a pastor at, the, at a local uh, uh, Pentecostal church, a really wonderful, God-loving church, a great family and faith. Uh, but um, I— um, that. Uh, uh, sorry, I you know I made the decision I think in that, but at the same time it wasn't a decision of theology, as actually theology would eventually become an issue that would cause me to leave at least in part of why I would eventually leave that church. Though I love those brothers and sisters dearly. Okay, and so I mean you had a personal connection; it kind of made sense. That's where you ended up. Yeah, but it, I think it was still my choice, even though I was like seventeen years, sixteen or seventeen years old. How about you? Well, I mean, I I didn't start going regularly to church until I was probably five, six years old, something like that. A cousin invited me to go to Awana, um, and then my dad started going, so I just kind of went where I was taken. Um, and then when I was in high school, we started, my family started considering sh- uh, going to another church, and they didn't take that lightly. That was a process that took a while. Um, they asked me for input, but uh, I didn't I mean, I, I knew that I was not the one in charge of the decision. Um, and yeah, so we ended up, my parents made the choice and uh, we ended up at a church, a uh, different church. And that's where they still go now. And that was, off I guess that was about 15 years, 16 years ago when they made that move. Um, no, actually, I, I hate it back. It was further back than that because we went to one church and some things happened you know, bad there. Um, and so then they, they moved and then they've been there ever since. But, um, so yeah, it was, it was very much, I was not in the driver's seat on that. Um, well, Tony, as you matured in Lord, because I mean, I knew some of the backstory there as you matured, you you'd mentioned some theological differences formed. Um, but before you were pastoring, how did you decide where to join? Because you've been a, a part of a number of different churches and places, different places that you've lived across the country. Um, so how did you decide where you were going to plant? Yeah, my case here was also unique, pretty unique because uh, I went. To, I had just left the church that we were, I was at uh, going into Bible college, and I was studying to be pastor, pastoral ministries major, and they required actually by, I think, freshman year, you would uh, designate what denomination you were. And so I, I was shopping churches at the time, and uh, I think it was by, towards the end of freshman year, I actually had printed out, like, uh, I think it's 15 or 20 different denominational statements of faith, and then I, I 
uh, printed out from uh, online version of the Book of Acts, and I spent like a Saturday uh, morning and afternoon uh, studying different statement of faiths uh, and what I thought was most uh, akin to what the Book of Acts taught. And then I, I you know, I decided I, I really like the 2000 Baptist Faith and Message, and that's kind of how I I started pursuing that. But uh, the but that being said, uh, I didn't really feel like I chose a church that in that kind of way totally until seminary, because I think that the churches somewhat in that area were not the best. Uh, you may or may not agree with that, me. Uh, and in seminary, we checked the doc. my wife and I checked the doctrines of several churches uh, on their websites and whatnot, and we decided on, like, we we're going to visit three churches, but then we're weird, and so we decided that we have to have four so that we've gotten four, even though we knew for sure we were just going to pick the first church uh, just to say we visited four. And the fourth was actually the small church that we were debating on not even going into, and we just, like, it was a great community of God's Word, but also truly deeply loved one another, and, uh, I mean, that place was deeply impactful in our life. And that was one of the most true times where we really picked a church that we really blossomed in. How about you, Ben? So when I was in college, um, you know, for the first couple of years, I was living at home. And so I was still part of the same church with my family. And I was serving there, um, being mentored, discipled, fruitful, and uh, good time of growth. Then I went off and actually, um, you know, I wasn't going to join a church because I wasn't living. It wasn't nearly as far away from my home as, as you were. And um, so I, I visited around some different churches. And then I went to one church for a while. And I, I think mainly ended up because um, the the lovely lady who ended up becoming my wife was going there. Ah. And uh, we both kind of felt after a while that we just didn't want to stay there. The, the preaching just was not very good. Um, it was just sort of meandering and uh, a friend of ours summarized it well. It was like the pastor would get up there and go, well, you know, I was thinking the other day um, and not so much teaching the Bible, preaching the Bible. Um, and so we ended up in another church. I mean, I was looking for, we were planning getting married and then living in that area. And so we were looking for uh, a Baptist church and a Southern Baptist church in particular, because looking to go into a Southern Baptist seminary. And, um, so we, we ended up in one, um, and then once we were out, you know, we didn't even know anything when we got to Kentucky. Um, we found a church that was very loving and welcoming, um, that taught God's Word well. And so uh, we didn't want to pick like a typical seminary church, some of the big ones in town that a lot of people went to, uh, because we thought that was not going to be real life whenever we left there. And... Um, and, and that, I think, was a good decision for us. It was impactful in our lives, just like you know your church was, which your church was just down the road from ours. Um, but that was a decision I'm glad that we made. And, and not everyone there was gifted the same and in the same age range. We had old people. And, I mean, we were one of the younger couples there. And so um, – but yeah, I mean, we agreed with them doctrinally, and, and then we saw it was more like a real slice of life. Yeah. Um, so – Anyway, but there can be a lot of things that, that factor into those kind of decisions. So what are reasons that people often pick a church from what you've observed? So, I, I mean, to give the positive first, sometimes legitimately Bible preaching. Uh, you know, I know many people that have picked churches, even churches that are not healthy in every aspect, because 
uh, they feel the Bible is being preached in a way that it isn't in a lot of churches. There are a lot of churches that do not hold a high, high view of the Bible and their preaching. It's just true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think most often consumeristic reasons. I think most often people pick a church for the same reason why they pick, you know, a, a one restaurant over another restaurant. Still digging for that Chick-fil-A endorsement, by the way. Um, <laughs> the uh, Anyway, but uh, and so one specific one, when the kids are in the home far more often, uh, than not, people will pick uh, churches based on whether or not they have the most fun kids and teen stuff around. And an example of this actually is like this is prop, uh, promoted by. Uh, I mean, there was a famous Andy Stanley quote uh, that actually says that a uh, parent that uh, focuses on their consumer needs uh, less than their kids' consumer needs is being stinking selfish. Essentially, that you know, unless you're consumeristic with your own children, you're a terrible parent. Uh, so yeah. Yes, I, I remember that, uh, and I would agree. I mean, I've heard people um, say that about our own church here. This, you know, the reason we came was because of the preaching, um, and I've heard that in other cases. And then I also have heard echoed and, and seen the things that you're talking about with you know whoever's got the, the the latest thing going with kids programming. And so, what I want to ask you next: Does the Bible even address how we consider choosing a church? I mean, you know, earliest church in the New Testament time. Um, certain places there wouldn't have really been a whole lot of choices. It was just this was the church at, at such and such place, um, and then it began to multiply. But does the Bible speak to this? Uh, so the Bible tells us specifically that we're going to go to the Baptist church with the best uh, speaker system. Uh, so, yes, but uh, I think first and foremost with this question, I think we need to accept the regulative principle in this. We need to establish that, which we had a whole podcast on the regulative principle, which basically means that the Bible, uh, the, the way that the early church worshipped, the way that they set up the, that the local churches is a way that should model and give us how we we practice our worship services and how we set up the local church. So if we understand that, I think that we see what a true church is throughout the New Testament and what it should be, especially in the book of Acts, uh, in First Timothy and in Titus. I think those are three extremely. Uh, there's not. It's not a coincidence that I happened to print out Acts that one time. Uh, one specific Bible verse, and there's really too many for me to name. Uh, when you have the regular principle in mind for two. A church. Uh, Acts 2.42 define the church by they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Uh, and so I think, you know, the this among many things shows us we have to try to find a church that is as is modeled in the church of Acts. What do you think, Ben? That's a really good answer. And, and that's, you know, I, I guess the only thing to add is that depending on your context, that may determine that, that certain things will look different, whether it's the style of music or um, just various things like that. Um, but but yeah, that, that scripture does address the things that should mark a church and uh, and I guess by extension, things that should not mark a church. So we should be looking to scripture and not simply to our consumer preferences. Um Though there can be, I remember being in college. I actually forgot about this when I was kind of given the the rundown. Um, my wife and I, or we weren't married yet, um, but we went to this church that it did happen to be kind of charismatic leaning. Now I'm not not like 
mayhem kind of thing. And I don't mean to be dismissive of of charismatic brothers and sisters and some that may be listening. Um, it was not one of those kind of chaotic services. Uh, just I know that they had some leanings that way. I think one time I heard a lady speaking in tongues. And the only reason I heard that is because she was right behind me and she was kind of whispering. Um, and I, as I listened closer, I could tell. But uh, I noticed that with time, it was just hard for me to be there. And I think just our approach to ministry and Christian life and things like that um, didn't measure up. Uh, the preaching was also not very strong. Uh, a lot of true things that were said, but just wasn't really so much teaching the Bible well. Uh, as, and so uh, I consulted with a professor there at the college, and um, he, he advised me that it might be wise to to move on. Uh, and the reason we had picked there is because we had a number of friends who took following Jesus very seriously and, uh, and they were a part of this church. And so we thought, well, let's, let's give this a shot. Um, <clears throat> this was after we left the one that didn't preach very well, but, uh, there, there can be various pragmatic reasons that aren't always sinful. Uh, so Tony, as we think about a family, uh, choosing a church and we're assuming, you know, kids are involved in this, um, who in the family should lead in that choice, do you think? Yeah, I think the father should be the spiritual leader of the home, uh, according to Scripture. So uh, I think that would definitely say primarily him. Uh, and this, again, is assuming, of course, that the father is actually saved himself. Uh, and, you know, he can't be a spiritual a leader point. if he's not, you know, regenerate. Uh, that I think if a wife thinks participating in that church is sin, though, uh, I think she cannot follow him. And so that makes a hard decision with the kids sometimes. So, I mean, I've known of cases where, you know, where a husband, actually I knew of a professor, where a professor really denied the Bible and his wife did not. And uh, and they kind of, their, their home was split on what, what, where to go to church. So, uh, so I think uh, that being said, I primarily, I, the ideal is this father would step in that way. But I think godly fathers would consult with their family, but first and foremost would consult with their God through the Bible. Uh, so it's not just an independent rogue that, you know, this place is the best barbecues, therefore our family goes there. <laughs> that would be a Baptist choice. <laughs> that would. <laughs> oh, man. Um yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's Scripture does outline that fathers should lead. They, they should wear the pants spiritually, um, and so they should take leadership. But it, that's not dictatorship. Um, I think there's other things to consider because the, the, here's the reality, especially in the South, but even outside it, there can be faithful local churches um, that could be valid options for a family, and then there can be some other – issues of judgment and wisdom that come into play, you know, how far is this from our home and, and just a, a number of different things. Um, and so hearing the families, what they think on these, uh, I think would be a wise mark of a leader in that case. But should the kids be seen and not heard in this decision? And we're, we're bringing these references from uh, eras that have gone past, but what role should kids have in a family's decision uh, on where to, to be part of a church? Yeah, um, the I, th- I think definitely that kids should not, uh, we're, on, we're on six, sorry, I'm sorry, right? Yes, we are. Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> I think the kids definitely uh, need to be factored into a decision, uh, you know, and any good father that does lead has to, I mean, consider 
uh, the situation. The kids, not always their wants, but more so their needs. You know, this this should not be a, you know, a dictatorial type situation, but instead a real kind of spiritual leadership. Uh, but uh, I, I think the needs of the kids are definitely should be a very real concern, the actual needs of their spiritual walk. So, uh, but I think their first needs are actually the same ordinary means that we all need. So the ordinary means of grace. Uh, in reality, we, you know, it's funny right now, like children's ministry, quote unquote, isn't meeting. Uh, and I've heard a lot of that phrase and it kind of bothers me because, you know, I think if our churches are meeting in any way, shape or form, our children's ministry is happening uh, because the main way that young people are discipled is the same way that anyone's discipled. Uh, and so, but I think on it so oddly in a way that the first concern we should have for what even benefits our kids is, is the same things that benefit us in the Lord, the same things that God prescribes for us. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, our, our kids don't necessarily need flashing lights and lasers and smoke and funny skits and videos to to benefit spiritually. And so, you know, the earliest church, the kids were right there. Um, I don't know, maybe when Paul was in a town, he did a little children's thing, like sometimes they do on the steps of, uh, of churches <laughs> today. But uh, anyway, I think that's a good point, that keeping in mind their true needs and not just their desires, which often, let's, let's be honest, can be sort of of the flesh. Um, and, and that's, they're young, they're learning, and, and they may not even be converted. Um, and so that, that's something you, you've really got to factor in. Um, and I, I agree with you that they should be heard, but um, we don't just say, here, here, you take the keys. Um, so how much should children's and youth programming factor into a family's choice of a church? Because, I mean, you were acknowledging that it's, it's not unimportant, um, but how should we weigh that? 13.8%. Uh, Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have put it above 14 either. So. Okay. No. Uh, so to actually answer your question, so I think it's very important to consider what they will be taught and if they are safe. I think, you know, that should heavily weigh into our decision. One, uh, that what they're taught. And two, again, because I think it shows a high view of the integrity of those that God has created, uh, valuing safety at churches. Uh, I think it is lesser important, but still important to consider friendship opportunities if all things are equal. So that means, you know, and the reality is, I mean, remember when we, were, when we were in Louisville, I mean, both of us got to a really rock-solid church, and there are a lot of rock-solid churches in the area, and if all things are equal, I don't think it's sinful for a parent that, you know, has a seven-year-old to go to the church that has other seven-year-olds, uh, you know, uh, of, uh, that I don't think that shouldn't be the primary decision, but it definitely isn't sinful for that to be part of the decision and can be even helpful. Uh, it shouldn't be all about how dynamic and fun these things are because ultimately uh, that wins them with the wrong thing. If we see this as like, oh, we want to, that we're looking for the programs with the most dynamic, most high energy, the ones will, the kids will be sure to say how, how much crazy silliness went on. Uh, I think that we're in the wrong place because we're winning them with the wrong thing. Although nobody should idolize boredom, but you know, I've never heard of a church that doesn't try to be relevant in children and youth ministry. I, I've straight up never heard of that existing. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you don't want to make this false dichotomy that, like, okay, we, we're not going to go crazy, all the the silly stuff. Um, but that doesn't mean that you, all right, everyone, sit down and just we're going to. 
be still and quiet for about 10 minutes. And then I'm going to talk really monotone and slow and soft. And hopefully you don't fall asleep. I mean, like that's not the the answer. Um, and like you said, we should not idolize boredom. Um, but yeah, I think that there's wisdom to that. That considering other factors was okay. All things, other things being equal. Okay, they they teach the gospel. They teach God's word. People love one another. Um, this is a place where we would have an opportunity to serve. Um, but that okay, maybe this is a good place considering my kids where they're at. Um, Are there any dangers in letting children's and youth programming kind of drive the train for the family? Yeah, definitely. First, I do want to say, like, with that whole boring thing, I, I think any parents will listen to it. This is deeply relevant because I think that it's easy to kind of have the mentality that those with not, you know, that are not fun first are not trying to engage with kids. I've ne- I, I straight have never heard of a next-gen next gen ministry, even of churches that do not have programs for children and youth, that that thinks that kids need Gregorian chants, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that any kind of fun is like of the devil. I, I, I think every single children and youth ministry, I mean, maybe there's an exception, uh, but you probably haven't been to it, <laughs> listening, uh, you know, that tries to be dynamic and tries to engage with kids. That that is not you know there's n- this is a false dichotomy in a lot of ways I think sometimes but uh, anyway to your actual question uh, I think there's a, definitely a ton of danger in uh, letting children and youth programming drive the train uh, for the church uh, if God thought these were the most important things in the church He would have given them in His sufficient Word and I think that's an important uh, statement on this. God's word is sufficient, which means it gives us everything necessary for life and godliness. And if God thought that, you know, that the the train of the church must be driven by children and youth ministry, I I don't think he would have forgotten to get around to establishing, you know, formalized children and youth ministry. Um, And I think churches that push this kind of thing show that demographic uh, is the most important one, you know, of the young families, even when sometimes uh, other generations are actually the ones that pay the bills. Uh, so I think there's a lot of danger in this. It's a good point. It's often not the the folks that are in the throes at the expenses of child raising who are underwriting. Okay, so Tony, that we've established there are clearly some dangers in letting children's and youth program uh, drive the train for our family spiritually. Are there any dangers in letting the kids ultimately decide uh, whether they're small kids or they're teenage kids? Um, letting them make the decision on where a family is part of a church. Oh, I definitely think so. Have you ever, uh, Ben, do you ever watch House Hunters? Uh, I assume your wife might be more interested in it than you are. Uh, we have watched it before. Um, yeah, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's, my wife likes House Hunters. And so uh, the there is a version of House Hunters, I think called House Hunters Family Edition, that we've accidentally watched a couple times, and uh, and, and it's rightly criticized for being ridiculous. Uh, and in this episode, <laughs> these episodes, they like basically the kids are the ones that make the it's these fa- there are these families you know where they want the kids to decide where which house they get and everything and make the big decision for young kids, and and it is utterly absurd. 
Uh, but uh, that, their <laughs> and the kids footing the bill. Yeah, your question reminded me of that. Uh, I think there's danger in your kids deciding what house you live in, and in the same way um, that there's a lot of danger in kids picking the church. Uh, that uh, rarely does a young person know what they need uh, versus what they want, and that's I mean sometimes a hard thing to distinguish for for young people needs versus mm-hmm. wants, uh, and so we don't give driver's license to you know six years old old for a reason, uh, and so I, I I think that something of this consequential which. Uh, picking a church is hugely consequential. Should not be left uh, uh, that just kind of the willy nilly choice of of the person, you know, choice of the young child. That we value the ch- our young kids' choices, but definitely shouldn't be the guiding force. What do you think? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I had not. I did not know that there was such a show. And yeah, that is just ridiculous. Um, I mean, we took our kids when we bought a house. We took our kids with us sometimes. Sometimes we intentionally did not take them because of the, <laughs> you know, quantity of opinions that we would hear. Like, listen, we want to talk to to the realtor and uh, just, yeah, tell us if you have an idea later, but or a question, and we'll talk about that. But um, yeah, and I mean, even as consequential as that is, and, and the money that you can spend on that, um, your soul is even bigger and more important, and, and the souls of your children, and so. I think it's it's very obvious that that God puts the parents there first chronologically. They've gained wisdom and these kinds of things, and then He gives them children to care for and to teach and to train. Um, I mean, the whole book of Proverbs is geared that way. Like, listen, my son, to my instruction, uh, gain wisdom. And so, yeah, I, I think some of it, it exposes that. Um, well, that's we'll we'll get to that here in just a second, but um, I think there there is some certainly some dangers, and I mean you probably you, your kids are in the same age range as mine. I'm sure, you hear it around your house, Dad. I need such and such. I'm like, no, 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 you don't need that. You want that, and that's okay to want that. But let's let's make sure we know the difference. And uh, this is too big of a thing to to leave to to someone who doesn't know the difference between the two of those. And for the record, that's um, almost never broccoli. What's that? That that I need this dad from a young kid is almost never broccoli. <laughs> dad, I need other helping of vegetables. <laughs> yeah, I, I do hear dad. I need some more candy and some more. We, you know, I think Sunday was like National Ice Cream Day or something. So we went and bought a couple things of ice cream, and um, there was you know, I need some more. Um, and there was great wailing of gnashing of teeth uh, by one who was not able to have more after he'd had a, a generous helping. But um, so, Tony, what might such decision making, letting the kids, uh, letting children's programming, youth programming, let that drive the train, or just ultimately just saying here to the kids and letting them wear the pants spiritually? Um, what kind of uh, beliefs might that reveal? Yeah, so uh, I think this conveys that church is about us rather than what God says when we do this. Mm. I mean, I think that's a crystal clear thing in that. Uh, I think this shows that we approach church uh, much more like McDonald's, uh, you know, picking a a place to eat out with our kids on the road to uh, somewhere without getting a headache. And then we do, you know, picking out a hospital. 
uh, when actually the Bible compares the church more to the hospital than it does to, you know, a fast food joint. Although I actually do know a pastor uh, that feels like the better a, exam- a great example for the church should be uh, the model of the drive through from McDonald's. But uh, that's not what the Bible shows. What do you think, Ben? Well, I think, yeah, you're right about it. It can expose that church is about us. Uh, and it can expose just either a lack of uh, understanding about the church um, and or and about the Christian life, too. That church is, is helpful, um, even preferred, but it's not, abs- you know, like for me to grow in my faith, I mean, it's it's not really that. It's not about me serving. And it, it's just sort of seeing we go, we get the sermon. That it was helpful. That was insightful. It was encouraging. Uh, wow, that music was uplifting. Um, the laser show was great. The coffee, man, that was you know awesome. Whatever the case may be. I mean, you, you name your church. The the smoke and the incense was you know superb today. Um, <laughs> never been to a church that had incense going, but. Um, it can reveal just a deficient understanding of what the church is. And that's a that's a big problem for many Christians in America. We, the church has not done a good job teaching about itself. And you and I have talked, we did a, an episode on that several months back or a year, I don't know, it's been some time ago. Um, but how, and, and that's something I think that has both been very impactful for us, understanding the role of the church in God's redemptive plan and, and for the Christian life. It's not just this thing to be understood, like we're supposed to plug into it, an organism we're supposed to be a part of. And so um, it can expose that. And it, it's to the uh, the detriment and the, the unhealth of, of us. You know, you talked about comparing it to a hospital. Well, it, it is there to, to help us to grow spiritually and uh, for us to help others to grow spiritually. So yeah. kind of undercuts that. Um, well, Tony, what would you say to the parents who would contend, you know, well, at least Johnny or Susie, you know, wants to go to church. At least at least we're taking him or her to church, you know, when they let the kid pick or essentially pick. Yeah, so first off, I would say, I have some understanding, and, and I think that it is good that they want them connected to the church. Uh, there's good desire there. Uh, but that being said, we should really want them to desire the God of the church in his unadulterated form, uh, not just them to be involved in the, an entity that we call the church. Uh, you know, and I think that that is, the, I mean, the chief concern. Like, if they they want to go to church, but they, they do not want the Bible, the God of the church, uh, you know, I think we, we've missed it by a substantial amount. And, uh, you know, and we're not really helping their souls at that point. And there's tons of evidence that if they like a church because of the entertainment factor, if that's what drives a young person to be involved in church, uh, that they will eventually pick the less godly, more entertaining, spirit, quote-unquote, spiritual life later. Uh, you know, eventually they will abandon. Uh, there, There is a point, you know, even if we extend that point out, like some churches are doing, uh, where, you know, people, young people realize that the world's a whole lot more fun than Jesus. I mean, even the Apostle Paul realized it. If he says it's not, not for the resurrection, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And once they get to that point of realizing that, I think they are out the door, almost every stat shows. Uh, and I, lastly, I think church is something that God defines. So I legitimately ask in some cases, uh, when you're taking them to a church that is fun first, uh, you know, a church that compromises and doesn't hold fast to scripture, uh, 
or, or you know, doesn't have enough theology to be wrong in theology. Is this uh, <laughs> is this even taking them to church at all, for that matter? I, I, I think that there are big churches, popular quote-unquote churches, that may not even be a church by God's definition of a church. Strong words, clear words, though. And, yeah, I mean, there is, if, I mean, I heard someone say, we can't outworld the world. No, we can't. You know, I mean, we can't be cooler than the world. And so uh, I remember talking to a parent one time who was reminiscing about childhood and um, the things going on at, at the church, the childhood church, and with the sibling and stuff, and how the sibling of this person, uh, they just really enjoyed this and these activities. And they can genuinely be socially enriching and helpful and uh, all kinds of things. But there was kind of, well, we've got to have this, we got to have this program or this program to keep the kids interested. And I mean, I have a level of sympathy to that. And I mean, if you ask around, like we don't have the most fun, cool uh, ministry, but that's on purpose. We also don't intentionally don't try to have the most boring one in town either. I mean, we're trying to to make it engaging to kids, but ultimately we want them to see the Lord, like you said, um, because that that's the goal. Is for them to see God for who He is and to love Him. Because when we do that, God Him God is not boring. And so sometimes the problem is is in the child's heart. Um, I think that's often the case. And so, um, yeah, th- those are. I, I like what you said. I, I know of someone who made. And I want to hear your thoughts on this. They. Um, they were serious about following the Lord. The parents were, and they were part of, I think it was a, a decent church. And then uh, their son was, was, get, was in high school, and they felt uh, he was getting a sense of being called into ministry. It's, they seemed to think that was the, the direction he was headed. And so they decided to to change to another church because they felt in this other church um, he would be mentored well in that direction. Um, so they were kind of— what what was going on with this this child was kind of driving the train. What do you think about that? I mean, is is that kind of a different case? Yeah, I mean, again, I don't think that it shouldn't be a factor with the kids. And, and I think that in any case, I mean, the family being able to serve is really essential part of deciding uh, for the church. And so, but I, I think to me that that is what's good for the child long term rather than being driven by what what the kid child wants and so i i definitely wouldn't i think it's a case by case and i think there it it should be it should take a lot to leave a church uh that you're really plugged into that is healthy and i i don't think we should be as quick to do that as we often are Um, yeah and i when i initially heard about this i was a little more uh close-minded about it i think thinking more i think it was the parents were involved in the decision it wasn't just like johnny liked the the roller coaster at the other church or because they played laser tag on wednesdays or whatever i mean there was definitely spiritual goals and long-term thinking in it um so how about here's another situation how would you counsel the parents of a divided house Mm. uh you know, the parents go to First Baptist and the kids go to Tenth Baptist or or something like that. Or would you even address that? Yeah. So um, I think that this can be more complicated at times because I actually know positive examples with young people. I know of examples where 
frankly. Mm. The young people want to go to a healthier church than, you know, their parents do. Uh, you know, even, you know, their parents are, are connected to a, a doctrinally dangerous church. Uh, and, and the young people actually want the Bible. And so I would never condemn that ever by any stretch. Yeah. Um uh, but I think, in general, the parent is a spiritual leader, so they should lead them to be uni- unified when possible. Uh, and and I think that you know does mean even if there's areas where you know uh, that the child of the teen does disagree with the church, that uh, it's it's wise for unity, unless there are very important issues uh, to you know stay together in that sense. So um, I think this tends to treat God's embassy, which is the church's God's embassy, the kingdom, like a buffet option. Uh, which isn't really a healthy look at the church at all. Uh, and uh, even just like how buffet options aren't really healthy for you in general. <laughs> um, but I think that being said, especially with teens, teens are kind of adults. I mean, by God's, I think the Bible shows that the age of adulthood is not the same as our culture's understanding. Uh, and yet they're still under one ha- the household. Uh, so I think if they have a godly reason to go somewhere else uh, and they uh, communicate that they want to go elsewhere for biblical reasons rather than kind of ducking out, I think this happens too often in a sin, uh, that uh, I think that at times parents can even give their blessing. Uh, but that, that is, I mean, definitely a case-by-case situation uh, with much prayer and wisdom. That's a, a really well thought out response to that, um, and you saw some nuance there. And I mean, you've got firsthand experience with kind of the flip side of, of how I was thinking about it. But I don't really have anything to add to that. I mean, I know when I was younger, I knew some some cases like that where the kids wanted to go somewhere else, um, and I. Uh, I knew some cases where that, that did happen, not just that they wanted to. Um, and occasionally I'd have a friend invite me to their youth group on Wednesday night or something like that. And I would go, but, uh, in general, I mean, my parents wanted me to go to our church because that was the church we were part of. And I didn't really have an issue with that. Uh, I remember asking my dad actually just a couple of years ago, I said, dad, you know, when we were looking for a new church, why did you guys not pick one of the churches with the big youth groups that did all this stuff? And I wasn't like complaining. I just wondered what the decision-making process was. And his answer was very simple. He goes, we didn't think it was necessary. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it was, he was right. Um, I mean, we're, I don't think either one of us would say that any church that does something big and fun is, uh, they're all going to hell and, you know, uh, a curse on them. Um, but it's not those are not the things that we have to have to help people know Jesus and be faithful to him and God's been gracious to me we, we had a very plain we we I mean, we play some games and we had someone who taught us the bible uh, when oh, i was in youth group and i had faithful sunday school teachers who some of whom have they've gone on to their reward and they helped me to learn the bible um while i was at church and uh and so yes it certainly was not the coolest uh, thing in town, but uh, yeah, the Bible was central in, in both both instances, and so I'm thankful for that. So, Tony, thanks for uh, considering these things. It's just it's a reality in our world, and uh, we do want to 
encourage parents to to wear the pants spiritually and dads in particular. Um, but again, that's not dictatorship. That's that's taking the lead, but being responsive and, and having an ear on your followers and um, and caring for them, shepherding them. You know, you're not the general of your family; you're the shepherd of your Amen. family. Um, so anyway, we hope this is helpful as people think through these issues and, and maybe as people, are, who knows what may be coming down the pipeline with uh, with churches and as people uh, have withdrawn and then now re-entering society. And um, I, I know we talked about on one of the episodes during the quarantine, we were both at our house uh, about people, you know, starting to watch live streams from other places and there may be a temptation. Oh, well, it's cool over there. Well, they got this cool kid stuff or youth stuff um, and maybe to to rethink that though i'll admit a lot of the people that listen to this maybe aren't geared so much that way but um anyway i hope it's helpful so thanks for listening and god bless god bless thank you for joining us for this episode of the theological family ministry podcast if you have enjoyed this episode please give us a review on itunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media all new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.